All right, so uh, today I want to take us into the book of Acts. Since you're on a mission trip, I want to go to the uh, principal missionary book of the New Testament, which is the book of Acts. I want to look at one verse from the first chapter, a pretty famous verse. Some of you probably are familiar with it. And then I'm going to look at a selection of verses from the second chapter. And my goal today is to talk about the Spirit's mission. You know, it's one thing to talk about your mission, it's another thing to talk about my mission, but the most important mission of all is the mission of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit doing in the world? What does the Holy Spirit want to do with us and through us? Uh, that is the concern as the book of Acts begins. The, the ministry of Jesus' presence on earth is about to come to an end. And the ongoing presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit is about to begin in a very vivid, realistic way. And so what we read about in the book of Acts is really the mission of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Um, Before I read that, let let me just introduce some of the ideas that you're going to hear. First, uh, the famous verse from Acts chapter 1. Anybody know what I'm referring to? Probably the most famous verse of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is where Jesus said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That is an epic promise. And in that one verse, Jesus promises power to those who believe. He promises literally dynamite to those who believe, explosive, life-changing power that would come by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in that verse, he promises that when the Spirit comes and when this power comes, that People like you and I will, will be witnesses. It's not like an option. You can be, you might be, but you will be. That, that the coming of the Holy Spirit will be demonstrated by how people are put on mission uh, for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That the gospel will flow through us and to the rest of the world, to the end of the earth. So today I want to really focus on the fulfillment of this promise as we see it begin to take place in Acts chapter 2, and to show you what began to happen locally when the Holy Spirit came and the Spirit's mission began. So my message to you today is the Spirit's mission. And let me read these verses from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Verse 14. Then then Peter stood up with the eleven, raising his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say, for these people are not drunk as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. Verse 22. Fellow Israelites... Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, 
Was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Verse 40. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with a sense of awe. As many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles, all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we begin this day, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to us, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of grace and power, so that we might uh, hear and respond to the truth of your word, that we we might uh, re-enter into the reality of who Jesus is for us, the one who died for us and rose again for us and sent the Spirit for us, and that today as we live our lives on this mission trip, that you would give us the power of mission Through the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So the basic storyline of Acts chapter 1, from which we only read one verse, is that Jesus promises power through the coming of the Holy Spirit. And that once the Spirit comes, he said, we would be sent on mission. The basic storyline of Acts chapter 2, then, is that the Spirit comes and the mission trip begins. The Spirit begins his mission through us to the world. And the basic idea I want to draw from these verses is is this main theme, that the mission of the Holy Spirit is to make Jesus famous by doing three things. First, by turning wimps into witnesses. Secondly, by turning crowds into communities. And thirdly, by uh, turning cities into saturation points where Jesus is known. So let's think about what it means for the Holy Spirit to be on mission to turning wimps into witnesses. Now, when I speak of wimps, I'm speaking of myself because I confess to you that from the very start of my spiritual journey, I've been basically a wimp when it comes to talking about my personal faith. I know that seems strange since I'm standing here publicly in this place. I'm more comfortable talking to you all, talking to the crowd, than I am in a personal conversation. I've always had a natural sheepishness, wimpishness, when it comes to really opening up to another person and talking about my spiritual journey. And it seems somewhat strange to me because in other areas of my life, I've been quite courageous. I've played 10 consecutive years of full contact football. Uh, When I was younger, I I owned a motorcycle and drove it like crazy. Uh, Earlier this year, I went on a wild whitewater rafting trip down the Zambezi River 
on the border of Zimbabwe and Zambia. So I'm not afraid to do other things, but I am fundamentally afraid from the beginning to open up about my own personal spiritual life. That began from the start of my relationship with Jesus. Uh, I was in college when the campus minister asked if I would share my spiritual story with some of my classmates in the dormitory. And I agreed to do it reluctantly, but the night before, I literally got sick in anticipation. I went to the campus minister, and I begged him to release me from my promise, but he wouldn't do it. And even since then, Every time the opportunity presents itself to talk about my personal faith in a one-on-one or kind of intimate situation, there's this mad, crazy, nasty committee meeting that goes on in my brain. You know, it's kind of like the cartoons where you have the cartoon devil on the one shoulder and the cartoon angel on the other. And I got, I got this real war that goes on in my mind. Because fundamentally, uh, in and of myself, naturally, I'm a wimp. But that's why wimps like me should be so encouraged by what we read about in Acts chapter 2. Because when we come to Acts chapter 2, we encounter Peter. Peter, who was a wimp like me. He was a wimp who denied he knew Jesus. And then he abandoned Jesus at his hour of greatest need. You remember? Before the coming of the Holy Spirit. Where Peter was as Jesus stood trial before the authorities facing the cross. Peter was standing in the shadows, perhaps listening and watching from a distance, not wishing to be associated with Jesus. And then when he was asked if he knew Jesus, Peter denied three times that he knew him. The last before a poor servant girl with whom he had no cultural obligation to speak. He went out of his way to deny he knew Jesus. And as Jesus was hanging on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, dying for Peter's sins, where was Peter? He was slipping out of town. He was making his way back home in defeat, even as Jesus was fulfilling all his promises for him. Well, here he is now in verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. And he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. Suddenly we find Peter the wimp who was once denying he knew Jesus, uh, abandoning Jesus. Now we see Peter standing in that same city in the center of town with the the others, boldly declaring that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. What happened to Peter? That that would be the big question of Acts chapter 2. What happened to change this certified coward into a courageous proclaimer of the good news? And the answer is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit changed Peter from a wimp into a bold witness who courageously declared that Jesus Christ died and rose again. He ascended into heaven where he sits and reigns as king of kings and lord of lords. That's what happened to Peter. He was changed by the mission and power of the Holy Spirit, who loves to take whips like you and me and turn us from our fear into witnesses 
who are willing to put our lives on the line for the sake of what we know is true. So we might say that the first mission of the Holy Spirit is to each and every one of us to take our fear away and to give us a spirit, the Holy Spirit of boldness and courage so that we might be able to be those witnesses who are willing to tell the story of our encounter with Jesus. But the second mission of the Holy Spirit is a mission that the Spirit does with a group of people just like this. And that brings us to this second idea. So the mission of the Spirit is to turn wimps into witnesses. But secondly, the mission of the Spirit is to turn crowds into communities. One of my mentors often refers to the church as a motley crew. Now, he's not talking about the hard rock boys band. Rather, he is saying that the church is a strange collection of individuals from all different places in the world and life who, apart from Jesus, probably wouldn't know each other, and if they did, may not even like each other. Think about it. We would not know each other and may not even like each other apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church is a motley crew. And yet through Jesus we are brought together. A crowd is transformed into a community of faith. I, I was thinking about Santo and I and how different he and I are. You know, how different the place in life we come from. He's from New Jersey. I mean, are you, most of you are from New Jersey? Well, I'm from Pennsylvania. I'm from around Philadelphia. So we're different in that way. Um, Santo loves to go clamming. And, and I like to eat clams, but I like to go golfing. Um, Santo plays the guitar and the drums. And I can play the iPod. Uh, one of us is really good looking. And the other has a nice personality. And I'll let you figure that out. Okay, so we're really different people. We're different people, Santo and I. I wonder where we'd be without the gospel of Jesus. Strangers. We, we would pass each other on the street. And we wouldn't know each other. We wouldn't care about each other. But because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, people like Santo and I are brought together as friends, as brothers. More than that, even as partners and colleagues together in the mission of the Holy Spirit by proclaiming the gospel to the world. That's the extraordinary, extraordinary mission of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see going on here in the second chapter of Acts, the mission of the Spirit, turning this crowd into a community of faith. It was the day of Pentecost. This was a happy celebration for the Jewish people, especially by contrast to some of the more solemn assemblies like Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, you know, where you had to reflect on your sinfulness. But, but Pentecost was the harvest celebration where the Jewish people would dedicate with thanksgiving the, the, the harvest and wheat and barley crops to God. So it was a big party in the city. You know, we just loved to be there. Acts chapter 2 tells us that people came from all over the Mediterranean world to this celebration, which means that most of them didn't know each other. And the second thing we learned from Acts chapter 2 is they, they spoke different languages, which means they couldn't even talk to each other. They were just a motley crew. They were a crowd of religious people who had come to celebrate and party together. But it is the mission of the Holy Spirit to take motley crews like this and this and transform us into strangers and make us into friends in Jesus. Crowds into communities of faith that are tightly knit together 
in relationship to God and one another and on mission by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at the way they're described. This this crowd, now a community, look at the way they're described in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with a sense of awe as many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. How close they were from a crowd of strangers and perhaps people who might not have known or liked each other into a community of those who share the most intimate relationship with God and a deep and personal love for one another. That is the mission of the Holy Spirit. Before the coming of the Spirit, the people in the streets of Jerusalem were that motley crew. They they were the crowd. But after the coming of the Spirit, they are drawn together as a true community of faith that live their life on mission together through worship, through mercy, through their their, uh, verbal testimonies to the city. This is the mission or the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants his followers uh, to be placed in the context of a church, a community of faith where together they can serve him and bear witness together in ways that are not possible alone. So this is the mission of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit turns wimps into witnesses. He turns crowds and motley crews like you all into a community of faith. And then thirdly, we we see from Acts chapter 2 that the, the, the Spirit's mission is also to turn cities into saturation points where Jesus is known. A few months ago, I entertained a guest from Zimbabwe in southern Africa, and while he was here in the area, I took him for his very first visit to New York City, to Manhattan. It was an amazing time for me to watch his face as he saw the sights and sounds of New York City, a place that he had seen in the movies, he had seen in books and in magazines, but he'd never seen it live up close in person. So when you take a person to New York, especially from so far away, it's, it's, the, the exciting part about it is to watch them see the city. So we uh, took the NJT to Penn Station in Manhattan. Then we took the subway to Ground Zero uh, downtown. When we came up from underground to the surface, the first thing we saw was a Starbucks restaurant. So we went and got a cup of coffee. And then we began a very long walk from downtown, uptown, to Central Park and beyond. Eight miles. A long walk. And it seemed as though, as we walked from south to north in the city, that we saw a Starbucks restaurant on every corner. I mean, that's the thing we noticed. Of course, we saw the Empire State Building. We we saw the the, the new... uh, Towers rising at ground zero. We saw Times Square. We saw Central. But the one thing that seemed to really stick with us is how many Starbucks restaurants there are in Manhattan because they're everywhere. When I got home, I checked and discovered that there are more than 170 Starbucks restaurants in Manhattan alone. And that, that's not counting the Dunkin' Donuts coffee shops that are in Manhattan. It doesn't count the mom and pop coffee shops that are in Manhattan. It doesn't count even the street vendors who sell coffee wherever you may be. So as far as coffee is concerned, we might say that the city of New York, at least Manhattan, is saturated with coffee. That everywhere you go, no matter which way you turn, you have access to a cup of coffee. 
Wouldn't it be great to say that Atlantic City is such a place that wherever you go, wherever you turn, you have access to the gospel of Jesus Christ? That the city is so filled with believers and so filled with good churches that wherever you turn, wherever you go, you can have access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the mission of the Holy Spirit to take cities like New York, like Jerusalem, like Atlantic City, and saturate them, bring them to the saturation point of the gospel. That's the mission of the Holy Spirit begun here in Acts chapter 2. I checked the definition of, of saturation point in Wikipedia online dictionary. And since I checked it online, you know that it must be true. And here's what Wikipedia says. The point of... Uh, So a saturation point is the point of maximum concentration, the point at which a substance will receive no more of another substance in solution, the point at which no more can be absorbed or assimilated. So when the air is saturated with water, what happens? It rains. That's a saturation point. What we see happening in Acts chapter 2 is the beginning of the mission of the Holy Spirit to saturate Jerusalem and other cities like it with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus wishes to fill the city with his followers and with the communities of his followers. What we have in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus is a city of approximately 600,000 people, uh, according to the Roman historian Tacitus. 600,000 people who shared a set of religious observances, a a set of religious practices and traditions, but really had no personal life-transforming relationship with God. They were just a crowd, a motley crew. But on the day of Pentecost, and in response to Peter's sermon, we read that 3,000 people instantly surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ and were baptized on the spot. That's 3,000 out of 600,000 people bringing the Christian population of the city from 0 to 0.5%. Now, by Acts chapter 4 and verse 4, we learn that an additional 5,000 men gave their lives to Jesus, and were baptized. And that's not including their wives and children. So we must assume it was more than 5,000. We might say that now, in in very short order, uh, by the mission of the Holy Spirit, the city of Jerusalem had gone from a 0% Christian population to at least more than 2% of the city's population had become followers of Jesus Christ and baptized. Furthermore, we've read that these believers would meet together in the temple courts, probably because it's the only place a crowd of that size could meet in public. But they also met from house to house. That means that, they, that sometimes the church was gathered and other, church, other times the church was scattered throughout the city. Now let's do some math here. There were 10,000 followers of Jesus Christ in the city, at least, Right? Let's say the average ancient house could hold 25 people. That's a lot of people. How many of you have a house that you, where you could hold 25 people in your house in the same room for a Bible study? No, not many. So we're, we're, we're being generous here. 25 people in each house. The result would be, you know, 25 per house, 10,000 followers of Jesus Christ. That would produce more than 400 home meeting congregations scattered throughout the city 
of Jerusalem, giving every neighbor and neighborhood access to the gospel of Jesus Christ as it was being lived out in authentic community through the believers who met together nearby. Do you see what's going on here? This is the mission of the Holy Spirit. That his desire is not just simply bring people into Jesus and to bring people into the church, but to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into the city until the city reaches a saturation point where it could be said that every man, woman, boy, or girl has repeated opportunities to hear, understand, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and many of them becoming his disciples. That's the mission of the Spirit. And that's when we will say we are done. Our mission. When we can say that cities like Atlantic City and Ventnor, Margate, Longport, and down the beach and up, across to Philadelphia, New York, and beyond, when the cities of this country are saturated with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that you cannot turn in any direction or go anywhere and not come into contact with the truth about Jesus. That is the mission of the Holy Spirit. So you're on a mission trip today and this week. And how does this apply to you? Well, first of all, you know that it's the Spirit's mission to make Jesus famous through you by turning wimps into witnesses. You know, as you're sent out in different directions, doing various things, serving the city and the people of the city, you'll be sent as missionaries one by one, each and, each and every one of you. And maybe you're like me, that you're fundamentally, basically, default, uh, default setting, wimp. You're a wimp. That you're not likely, you're not inclined, when given the opportunity, to say a good word about Jesus. But we've learned today that it is the Holy Spirit's mission to turn wimps like you and me into bold witnesses who, given that situation, are willing to do something that maybe surprises ourselves and speak up. Because people, as people watch you here in the city, as you're from another place, and, and as, you, as they see you working, and they see you working hard, working well, working happily, they're going to wonder why. Why are you here? Why are you at the beach? Why are you spending your time and your money on vacation working and serving and spending your time you know, in the neighborhoods? And there's the opportunity for you to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit who has come to make you a witness. And then secondly, you're here on the Spirit's mission because the Holy Spirit wants to uh, turn you from a crowd into a community. It's not just each and every one of you that Jesus will use, but it's rather what Jesus wants to do with you together as a team. You're here as a mission team. And so you have this sense of being connected to one another. You're here for a common reason, a common purpose, a common work. And the Holy Spirit wants to use that, that community, that connection, to demonstrate how you work together side by side, how you love one another, how you speak to one another, how you deal with setbacks and complications and situations where all the stuff and the material for the job isn't there when you want it to be. How do you deal with that? And all of those things are on public display in a sense so that the world might see what does it look like to live my life in the community of those who believe in Jesus. And then lastly, realize that you're here as a part of the Spirit's mission to turn this city into a place 
that is a saturation point of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A few years ago, we sent Santo and Mary Ellen here to Atlantic City. With you know, there was a, there were a few other people hanging out on the street corner waiting to see who Santo was and whether they liked him and wanted to take part in what he was doing. But Mary Ellen and Santo were pretty much alone. And it was as though we were we, we were sending you know a couple of people, a couple of you know spies onto the beach. You know, like, if you think of this in a military context, you know, the, you know letting, letting a few people onto the beach uh, on, a, on an attack on enemy soil, right? And since that time, it's been a few years now, uh, Santo and Maryland have, have gathered a platoon, a team, a congregation, a community of faith, and established a beachhead here in Atlantic City Inventor. It's a beachhead. That's an important beachhead. It's the beginning of the Holy Spirit's mission, his desire, his passion to not only establish this church, but to multiply churches like this throughout the city, throughout Atlantic City Inventor and beyond. Until this city is saturated with access to the gospel. And we won't be done. You won't be done. Even after you go, the Spirit will continue here. Because the Spirit's mission is to make sure that this is a place where every man, woman, boy, or girl has repeated opportunities to hear, understand, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is your mission. That is the Spirit's mission. That is why you are here. You're not here for yourself. You're not here to serve this church. You are here to serve Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit until Jesus Christ is made famous in the city. Let us pray. Father, We thank you that you have sent your son Jesus, that he has died for us, he has risen for us, he reigns for us, and you have sent your Holy Spirit so that we might live our lives on a mission trip that never ends until he comes. And I pray that you'd fill each one here and this team with that spirit, the spirit of power, the spirit of witness, the spirit of boldness, so that in their work and in their word, They are showing the city what it means to be loved like that. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This Sunday sermon was preached by the Reverend Dr. Bruce Finn, coordinator of church planting. New City's Sunday sermon is recorded live on location at New City Fellowship of Atlantic City. If you're in the Atlantic City area, stop by. Our address is 215 North Sovereign Avenue, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Visit us online at newcityac.org. That's www.newcityac.org. Oh God is written and performed by the Reverend Dr. Santo Garofolo. Join us next week for a brand new New Cities Sunday Sermon.